Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strong Woman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Valentine of thepaleomom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health, which really means I just love talking about science. News and views, where Sarah and I catch up and you get to listen to our gossip. got half of that was it star wars no (laughs) okay but star wars was amazing yeah glad you got to see it yeah i haven't but our listeners might not have so we don't want to be those people oh no no so not want to meet that person um but yeah no i did get to see it um on a day last week wednesday Totally. So kids are out of school, therefore I have no idea what day of the week it is. It is Sunday. Excellent. I will forget about Monday tomorrow. (laughs) And we are um, going live right before New Year's. So we got a ton of New Year's habits questions from people when we put out the ask us anything question and answer. There were so many. So last week we didn't ask me anything. So if you haven't listened to last week, it's probably very amusing and you'll probably gain insight into Stacy and me as people that you may or may not actually need in order to continue being a regular listener. But we had so many questions that what we did was we really focused on some of the personal questions that people had about us that many of which we've never really shared publicly before. And um, we talked about like maybe putting together some other shows with the, you know, other collections of those questions because there were so many good ones. And since it is New Year's and we are all thinking about New Year's resolutions and getting ready to buckle down and pull up our socks tighten up our shoelaces how many different analogies can i have here (laughs) um and so i thought it'd be really good to kind of you know delve into that i think um you know we've been doing this i've been paleo for um four years and four months and stacy you've been paleo for about a year and a half longer than me you're coming up to six years now in february is that right may yeah may Okay. Yeah. So yeah, but a year and a half longer than me. So I think, um, you know, this is the longest I've ever stuck to anything really. Um, but it's also right. Um, that means that I've maintained my weight loss for that period of time. 
Um, it means that I have continued to improve my health over that period of time. And I, and Stacy, you've done the same. And I think that, um, I think that puts us in kind of a, a really neat position to be able to talk about habit formation from the other side of having sort of struggled. And I think that it will probably come up in some of these questions. Some of the things that we actually still struggle with, and we still have to be very sort of mindful and diligent and committed to continue doing versus the things that have become really easy over that period of time. And I think that, you know, when you're starting any kind of health changes, um, it can be very overwhelming. It can feel really hard and it can be discouraging that it feels so hard, right? It can be, it can be very, um, it can be, it can make it feel like you're never going to get there because every choice requires so much effort. Um, meanwhile, you totally can get there and it absolutely is worth the effort and it does actually get easier sort of before you know it. I know that's like, it's like telling a pregnant woman, don't worry, your body is designed to forget about labor. It's kind of like that, but it's still true. And when you get to the other side, you go, oh, I get it. That's also tip for all those first time pregnant women out there. Just randomly. Uh, so before we jump into the show, let me just tell you that um, two things. One, um, I believe that we're probably going to have a little bit of a difference of opinion here. And that doesn't mean that we're very far apart from where we are. But I both Sarah and I are not the same people and what works for each of us is not the same for other people. Absolutely. But yeah. I've had some personal experiences and you can look back through the blog and see that I've done all different kinds of challenges. And I just have come to a place where philosophically, as you said, I've been doing this five and a half years now. And I find for me personally doing something that is a short burst of time, a so-called challenge, and I'm using quotation marks, um, and creates bad behavior for me. And I don't like to use the words bad behavior, but the reason that I use that word is because it's disordered behaviors. So it's really important that you know who you are and what works for you and how to listen to your body. For me personally, um, going cold turkey for a short amount of time absolutely does not work. Um, doing something you know, for a few weeks or whatever it is, and then saying, okay, and at the end of that, I'll be a better person. That's a lie to myself. Like, I'm not going to be a better person. I'm going to be the same person that I was. I'm just going to have made different choices over that course of time. And there's things like that that really get into my head that play into negative behaviors, i.e. making all kinds of treats that fit within the rules that I don't really need that aren't nutrient dense for me. And so for me personally, I find that what works best is just focusing on a really focused approach to what makes me feel best and trying to encourage and nourish and support myself into making those choices as often as possible. But that, you know, if I want a bite of something that is not within the perfect parameters of whatever I've defined for myself, I have that and then I move on without guilt or whatever. And I, I, it's a lot easier for me than not to kind of binge on the back end or, you know, to find things along the way that are quote unquote within the rules, but really aren't adding value to my life. So that's where I'm going to be coming from with a lot of the answers that we're going to be 
providing. Um, just want to say that up front. And can with I, that, in- can I? I know you've got a, a second thing. Yeah, I can do. I? I want to reinforce that concept first because um, it's one of the things that I talk a lot about is habit formation. So rather than a challenge or rather than even uh, a goal-centered resolution, right? So rather than I'm going to lose 10 pounds, I'm going to do this 30-day challenge. I don't like things with an endpoint, whether that endpoint is 10 pounds or whether that endpoint is 30 days or 21 days or whatever it is. And the reason why is because I feel like the priorities of a paleo diet, right? The tenets of a paleo diet are about sustained lifelong health. And when you have, whether it's a goal or a challenge, if you have an end thing, an end date, an end accomplishment, then you have permission. You start off on that journey with permission to stop doing whatever you're doing to achieve that goal once it's achieved. So you have permission that after I do my 30 day, um, you know, paleo challenge or my 21 day, you know, detox, whatever it is on the next day, I'm going to have whatever this thing is. And for you, Stacey, I know you've talked a lot about how it, it not only does, you know, at the end you, you have very, um, Right, you end like so many people do. Re- I rebound into rebound a, into into a dessert buffet. Yeah, but, but it's not only that, right? It's worse than where you started. Yeah, right. So, and then I know that you also struggle with that uh, sort of re- triggered rebellion type behaviors throughout that whole challenge as well. So you're constantly trying to bend the rules, and then you hit the end, and you end up basically spending thirty days, whatever it is all to take a giant step backwards in terms of health habits. So what I like to talk about is habit formation and thinking about actions and thinking about sustainability and thinking about making that action that is something that's going to promote health turn into something that is a natural thing that you just do. So for example, um, my, you know, my resolution might be um, to, you know, walk more. And I'm not, you know, like I'm just, I'm going to set up some times of the day where I have more opportunity to walk. And it's not going to be, I'm going to walk this many more steps. It's just going to be, I'm going to walk a little bit more than I did before. And I'm going to walk at, you know, I'm setting, I'm setting a pattern. So I'm going to walk, you know, around the block. I'm going to leave the house five minutes early to pick up my kids from the bus stop. I'm going to walk around the block before I get to the bus stop, right? Some little tiny something that I can create as a habit. Um, I'm going to make the habit to um, get more sleep by going to bed a half hour earlier every night. Right? It's a habit. And you know, getting a little bit more exercise and getting more sleep in the end are going to lead to better hormone regulation, better um, hunger control, better neurotransmitter regulation, uh, you know, lower inflammation. Right? It's going to lead to me achieving those goals that I want to achieve. But there's no end date. There's no I'm going to have this earlier bedtime for, you know, 30 days. There's, right, it's different than sort of these nutritional challenges or um, a, sort of a goal-centered, you know, I'm going to, you know, count my calories and, and work out a lot to lose this 10 pounds and then I'm going to whatever, celebrate with uh, a coconut milk ice cream sundae. Um, so for me... I always come at these things from like, what's, what's the habit? What's the good habit? That's something that you can maintain for the rest of your life. And part of that is 
making it easy. And then part of it is keeping it, keeping it real, right? So, you know, yes, I'm trying to create the habit of going to bed earlier every night, but that doesn't mean that some nights life's not going to get in the way and that I've somehow failed at my challenge if I go to bed 10 minutes later than my bedtime. So there's a different mentality when it comes to thinking about um, habit formation than when it comes to thinking about goal setting or challenges. So I think I kind of wanted to say that because I think it really reinforces um, what you're saying, but from sort of a tangential perspective, which is my perspective. Yeah, I hope that Matt puts um, Bill Nye the Science Guy bomb noises. (laughs) I'm sure he will now. (laughs) Um, Okay, so that said, point number two is, um, so for Christmas, and this is not a New Year's resolution, but this is something that I saw on the internet like six weeks ago and told Matt, hey, I'm interested in that. And then he got me one for Christmas. I got this like lifestyle thing that's like a Fitbit, but for your brain. Have you heard of this? Um, We'll put a link in the show notes, but it tracks your breathing and tells you like goals for yourself the way that a Fitbit gives you steps and it tracks the neurofeedback thing. um, It's, I don't know if it's neurofeedback. I'm pretty sure that it responds to like, does it, does it track your heart rate and it teaches you how to lower your heart rate? No. Okay. That's a different thing. It's different. Yeah. This is breathing. And so, um, it, it measures your baseline and then you start wearing it and it starts telling you, I call them points and mass. Like it's not points. <laughs> it starts telling you like streaks of minutes that you have of focused time, calm time and activity. And it gives you goals the same way that like my Apple watch or Fitbit would for activity standing um, type things. And it gives you goals for focus time and calm time. What I have learned is that I'm really bad at being calm. I'm really (laughs) bad. Like, even when I'm trying and I'm doing the guided, like, breathing things, it's still like, no, honey, you're tense. (laughs) So this is definitely... like I've talked several times in the podcast about being a type A personality and believing that the stress... um, and the things that I take on myself, um, even when they like don't exist, I create this amount of stress for myself in my own head. And I think that that negatively contributes to my health, henceforth, adrenal fatigue and autoimmune diseases and all these kinds of things. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to get this tool. And when you have like streaks of tension, a little notification pops up. Like for me, I have an Apple Watch that so pops up on my watch, which is really helpful to say, you're in a period of tension right now. Would you like us to walk you through a breathing exercise? And um, that's supposed to help you. But instead for me, (laughs) that makes me even more tense that I'm like, what? I'm not tense right now. What are you talking about? I don't need a breathing exercise. So I'll let you know if I end up keeping it and end up like (laughs) working towards it. What I don't want, and the reason I say that is because what I don't want is for it to be something that triggers like me being even more 
stressed because I can't figure out how to be calm, which is what happened to me last night when I was watching TV and we were laying on the sofa and I had a cat purring on me and I was like, oh, I'm going to be getting so many calm points right now. And then I looked at my phone and I wasn't getting calm points and it totally like stressed me out that I wasn't getting calm points. And then it started telling me that I had tension and I was like, but I'm just watching TV. So if you feel like that might be a struggle for you. I will, we'll put a link in the show notes and I will try to keep you informed on how this goes, but, um, just wanted to throw that out there while talking lifestyle because it's, it's an interesting tool and I'm hoping that I can learn how to breathe and be calm. Um, I feel like any comment I make right now is going to be regarded as snarky. (laughs) It might be best if I just not make a comment So is what you're trying to say, you think I should try to stick with this? (laughs) This is, I am encouraging you to stick with this. I think only good can come out of it is what I'm saying. Yeah, we'll see. I like good for the universe. Not, not just for Stacy, for the universe around Stacy. We're going to try. We're going to (laughs) try. This is a lifetime of being a stress case. So it's like, you know, two days of wearing this thing is not going to magically make me more namaste um no but but it takes it takes practice to be able to really effectively meditate and effectively i can't stand meditation when i start meditating all i I start thinking about all the different things that i could be doing and how ridiculous it is like i am terrible at calm and this device is uh affirming (laughs) this belief so So. how do you do with um, either like activity-based meditation, like uh, rolling out or stretching. Yeah, I'm going to have to try to do some of those things. This morning, I had a nine-minute streak of calm, and I need to like go back to see exactly what I was doing at that time to figure out like how I was calm. So is it looking at your breathing rate and your I think it must include heart rate as well. Yeah. Um, you can only wear it in like basically two places. It's either on your on your waistband or in your bra that you can't like, it's not as flexible as a Fitbit would be in terms of like the different places that you can so wear. So maybe it. it's looking at respiration, but also body movement, right? Like it, yes, it might it definitely, be to... it definitely, it definitely looks at movement because it tracks activity and the activity tracker seems more efficient than other activity trackers that I've used in my wrist because it's giving me less steps, which I'm a hand talker. So that makes sense. Um, so yeah, well, I'll, I, I can report back, but I just kind of wanted to (laughs) throw that in there. Um, mostly as an FYI and also as a, like, Hey, you don't have to wait for like an event or a challenge or a trigger point, right? Like I got this. I am the queen of resolutions whenever I need some resolve. Like it's, I, you know, I'm going to do this in two hours, right? I don't, I just not even tomorrow. It's like, nope, I, I realize that I need to work on this and I'm going to work on this now. And it's going to be the next, this thing I'm going to work on. Um, and, um, I feel like that's been actually one of the things that's been really helpful for me in sort of keeping on track over the last few years, because I'm sure we'll talk about this, but, um, you know, I still struggle with food addiction. I still struggle um, with, uh, you know, insufficiently managed stress. Um, and I, 
I have still been able to maintain my weight loss. And the, the huge reason for that, I think, is because I don't wait um, to sort of – I'm not waiting for January in order to make a resolution. I go, oh, okay, things are sliding. I'm letting myself – uh, you know, serve myself too big of portions. I have major issues with portion control or I'm um, letting myself slide and eat too much paleo treats. I still have problems with sugar addiction and I will like rein that in. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned over my health journey is um, not to wait before, you know, picking myself up and getting back on the wagon. And part of why I think that's been so effective is a, I don't derail for as long B, because I haven't derailed for as long, it's easier to kind of get my act together. Um, And I spend more time doing things really, really well than I do, you know, falling down that slippery slope. And I think that that's been one of the biggest things for me is, um, you know, the continued effort, the continued work on habit control or habit formation, but also, you know, knowing that I'm human and recognizing quickly when I'm going down a road that I shouldn't be going down and, you know, pulling myself together as efficiently as possible. Um, and meditating. I'm just saying I like meditating. All right. You mentioned getting to these things. Bajillion questions. Let's do some questions. Questions and answers, where we answer questions submitted by you through the contact form on our websites, paleomom.com and paleoparents.com. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I want to start paleo, but every time I try something new, I end up right back into my old ways of eating. What tips do you have to make this stick past January? So I think, I think the most important things are a defining what you're doing it for and making sure that something that really matters to you and not just aesthetic appearance is part of that equation. And for me, it's about, my health. It's about longevity and being around for my children. It's about being able to be active and well um, with my children, with my life. And so, you know, then there are the little things like, well, I know if I eat this right now, my face might break out or my joints might hurt. Like also being aware of how those things affect you. So the only way to really find out those things and establish them for yourself is to really stick with it and tell yourself like, I can do this. I want to do this. I'm making the choice to do this instead of saying, I can't do that. I won't do that. Right. Try to make a a positive mindset about the choices that you're making in the short term and knowing what you're making them for. And then at the end, hopefully you kind of have a clean system, so to speak, that's got reduced inflammation and feels so much better. Hopefully at the, you know, 30 days isn't a magic number for everybody. I just want to say that. I know you said the end of January, but um, for me, 30 days was not a magic number. I felt so much better 10 days into paleo and then later with AIP. It took three months before AIP really made me feel better. Um so that said, you know, it's 30 days isn't some magic number for somebody. That was a, a challenge made up. Um, and that is, is often very helpful for people, but it's, it's not necessarily a magic number. So anyway, my point with this is that hopefully at the end of this time period that you choose for this paleo, then if you reintroduce things intentionally, not 
pulling face first into a dessert buffet, as some of us, both Sarah and I, maybe will both admit to, you know, having problems with the end of these challenges. Um, fortunately, it's not a problem for me now, but it certainly was a long time ago. And the only reason reason that it's not now is because of the way you I don't do it. the challenges right is because the way I manage it mentally so hopefully if you get to that clean state and you slowly reintroduce these foods you can see how your body starts to feel and react to them and then you can make a choice like you know do I want my eczema to come back and flare so hard that it hurts do I want acne on my face do I want you know allergies and difficulty breathing because of the thickened mucus on my nose. Like there are common things, headaches, you know, different little things like that, that a lot of people experience reduced, um, uh, acid reflux, right? Like I could go on and on and on and Sarah could go on and on and on even beyond what I could go on and on. But the, the hope is that that is the motivation for you, that it's about what you want and how you feel and not necessarily like, these are the rules and this is what I'm doing and I'm sticking with them. That's the only way that it works for me. I also think it's really important to honor what style of transition works best for you. So how do you best tackle change and and be successful at accomplishing that change? So for some people, that cold turkey approach, muscle through the transition, stick to it. I do agree that 30 days is not long enough for habit formation. Science actually shows that the average amount of time it takes someone to develop a habit is 66 days. Um, and it can actually take up to eight months scientifically for some people to develop some types of habits. So like committing more to for, you know, eight months rather than one month is if habit formation is the goal, which I think it is with paleo is, is really important. But I think that looking at how you've tackled various types of, you know, change, whatever it is, you know, trying to, to make, make some changes for better health in the past and what you've been able to stick with and what you haven't. So for some people, the cold turkey muscle through that transition works really well. For other people, baby steps. And, you know, first I'm going to go gluten-free and then I'm going to go grain-free and then I'm going to change, um, I'm going to change all my cooking oils and only cooking great cooking oils. And then I'm going to, um, you know, get rid of the dairy and then I'm going to get rid of legumes and then I'm going to add in more organ meats and then I'm going to work on vegetables at three meals a day, right? And breaking up the transition to paleo into smaller steps and then basically doing the next step whenever you feel you're ready for it. So you might do two steps at once. You might wait then a month before you do the next step. Maybe you're ready for the next step after a week. Maybe then you're ready to jump all in, right? Like, but just listening to yourself. I think that so much with the transition to paleo is um, figuring out how it fits within our individual lives. So figuring out what our go-to quick, you know, portable snacks are, what our quick breakfast is, um, figuring out what we're going to pack for our lunches, what we're going to cook on a busy weeknight, when we're going to be able to do some batch cooking, you know, what are, you know, emergency foods or travel foods are going to be. I think that figuring those things out is part of how it gets easy. And for some people being kind of forced in the situation where you have to troubleshoot all of that all at once makes it a lot easier for some people doing it bit by bit and making iterative changes works better. Um, and so I think that, you know, the, the, 
the goal is that you get there. And whether you get there by January 3rd or you get there by May, you know, the important thing is to think about sustainability and what balance you need to find in order to maintain this for the rest of your life. And I also think that, um, you know, so often we see paleo challenges or even just, you know, books, websites, resources, you know, people talking about paleo, right? We describe paleo as this list of things that we don't eat. And I think when we talk about paleo in terms of what we don't eat, we set ourselves up to feel deprived and we set ourselves up to feel like we're missing out and, um, we, sh- you know, we need to cheat. And I think that when we think about paleo in terms of what we do eat, we think about eating a variety of quality meats, seafoods, eggs, tons of vegetables, fruit, nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, good quality fats cooked in many different ways. I think all of a sudden, you know, we're changing the focus and we've got a much more positive mindset about what we're eating. Um, and celebrating the amazing delicious foods that we do get to eat rather than mourning the foods that we're missing can be a really important shift in mindset that can really help with success as well. I think I just had eight different things there. Did I have eight different things? So I wasn't counting, but what I did hear you say was something I think that there's already a book written for, for someone who might need an intro to paleo via some way other than a cold turkey challenge type approach, which is happens to be a book that we wrote. So Gail, feel feel free to check out Real Life Paleo. And I don't just say that as a a marketing plug, but that is literally the approach and description and explanation that we wrote into Real Life Paleo that I really wish more people would understand and look into as much as I love that that book got into Costco and had different things about it. I was really hoping that there would be more interest in the approach of looking at how to ease into how to transition into this lifestyle other than you're either paleo or you're not. And because for so many people that doesn't work and what Sarah and I hear is so common, what we hear from you, which is that you can do it through January, but then after that, it's like free for all wild, wild west. And you, not just you, I won't speak about you, but a lot of people tell us that they fall into a tailspin that's difficult and that they get so far off the wagon, they can't even see the wagon anymore. And then, then two months later, they do another challenge. And it's this cycle that's really, in my opinion, no, no better than a dieting approach or Weight Watchers or whatever. So that's why I wrote the book and just thought I'd throw that in there. And no, I mean, it. I'm so glad you did because it really is the perfect resource for exactly, you know, that. I mean, it's amazing recipes no matter where you are in your paleo journey. Let's let's be really, you know, let's give this the, the credit it's due. Um, but it also all of the, the phased approach, it's designed for people who try to do paleo and fail and need that refocus of attention and that gentler approach. So, yeah, good call. So our next question And I'm going to be really bad at answering this. Just beginning paleo, guidelines for portion control? So I I also have this problem. I think anybody who's had problems previously, like, um, in their life is always going to have this problem. I've heard people say about paleo, you can only eat so much chicken and broccoli. But that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you can, can you can yeah, totally can overeat on paleo foods, and that is definitely um, something that we hear often, especially with things like nuts. Um, they are so high caloric, so um, high they're fat high, for most of them. They're a high reward food too, right? So you get a bigger dopamine response from something like nuts than you do from lettuce, for example. Yeah. So I think, you know, for me, one of the best ways to look at portion control is especially if it's not like a fruit, vegetable, or meat, um, which are all kind of often proportioned for you, right? Like a chicken breast or a pork chop or, um, you know, that sort of thing. A fruit is an orange or a banana or an apple. Those are pretty self-explanatory in terms of portion. But if you're looking at something that's in a package and you're trying to figure out portion, you know, you if you really are trying to solve this problem, you can look at the recommended portions on the back of the label. Um, you can weigh food just for even if it's like three to five days to get a feel for, oh, what does a you know, cup of vegetables look like? What does a, you know, two ounces of butter look like? You know, you can figure out those things if you weigh and measure just for a couple of days. Two um, ounces of butter? I'm, just, I'm really just, excited about two ounces of butter. <laughs> just throwing it out there. I personally um, have the biggest problem with tablespoons of heavy cream in my coffee because I like to think that four tablespoons are two tablespoons. Um so that's, you know, those are like little things that in terms of, you know, how to make small steps towards big steps. Ultimately, you can look up online. They say things like, you know, um, a portion of meat, the palm size of your hand. And then, you know, Sarah, you recommend that at least 50% of your dinner plate be vegetables. Yeah. Because we're, like, we're, not, we're not having grains. That yeah. is that is really where the nutrients are. Even like more like three quarters, like two thirds to three quarters of your dinner plate be vegetables. I and mean, that can include a serving of starchy vegetables. But I would say half your plate is non-starchy vegetables. Well, one of the biggest things I think that can really help too uh, for people who are having struggles with portion control is smaller plates. So there's actually this huge, there's, it's like, like they've done scientific studies that basically show that if they put, replace the plates in a house with smaller plates, people naturally eat less. So you fill your plate and if you have room on your plate and then you put more stuff on your plate. So having a smaller plate actually is a really great trick for um, sort of sort of effortless portion control. Other really important tricks that are validated in the science are um, being sufficiently hydrated, so drinking enough water, um, and also getting enough sleep and managing stress are really, really important for uh, sort of naturally eating the right amount of calories for our bodies. And that's I think it's really important to emphasize that calories do matter. So there's this whole, um, you know, as long as you're eating nutrient-dense foods and it's low or moderate carbohydrate, then, you know, you can eat as many, you know, like there's this idea that you don't have to worry about caloric intake. And, you know, it's far more complicated than calories in and calories out, but you can't just eat you know, 5,000 calories a day and think that that's not too much energy for our bodies. So, um, I would recommend having like using, there's a ton of different apps. I use chronometer, which one do you use my fitness pal? Yeah, I use my fitness pal. Um, and you can weigh and measure as Stacey was already saying, and then put what you're eating in and you can see what your caloric intake is 
by day. And I think both of those apps have um, some, you know, guidelines for targets. So depending on your height, your weight, your goal weight, um, you know, it really shouldn't be more than about a 10% energy deficit if you're looking to lose weight. Um, because otherwise you can end up with some really nasty hormone resistance problems. But um, but it can give you a good like goal. So whether your goal is 1800 calories a day, 2200 calories a day, depending on how active you are, like having a look at that and then measure and look. I mean, to be perfectly honest, measuring my food is my New Year's resolution for January. <laughs> that well, I, is it. I will say as someone who's been doing it for a while, um, it does trigger sometimes for me where I try to cheat the system and I try to like say that I ate less of something that I know that I ate more of or I don't report something like you need I would just recommend that people be careful for that do you really get like even like reporting in my fitness pal you get that kind of absolutely I mean for those people who don't know I was bulimic in middle school so I have had and I went to uh what's the real name for um I don't know it's fat camp. I don't know what else you call it. And it's, I don't remember the nice word, but even before then, like when I transitioned into middle school and then that triggered bulimia for me. So I have had really, really disordered mental, like I've been through therapy for, you know, solving some of these problems, but these are things that you're never solved of. So for me, I have to be very aware and very cognizant. And I know that it's not the same for everyone. And some people have absolutely no problem with these things, which is fantastic. But for me, you know, I usually do sprints of it where I, you know, I keep track for a little while until I start to form good habits. And I know like, okay, these foods work for me and you know, that kind of stuff. And then I take a break from it and then I kind of get back to it. Um, I usually, I do, I keep track for three or four days and it rains in. I go, oh, okay, here's what 2000 calories looks like. And I don't, then I don't need to count for a little while and then I'll check in and do a couple of days and make sure I'm still on track. But it almost helps me, I think in part because I tend to eat very similarly day from day to day. I don't change, like I tend to eat the same things for breakfast. I tend to eat the same things for lunch. Dinners, you know, they're not that different. It's like meat and vegetables. So it helps me kind of go like, okay, this is what my plate needs to look like, rein it in. And then I can check again, you know, when I feel like I'm not sure anymore. Um, but my default, my, my brain quite happily eats until, have you seen that Louis CK skit about how like eat until you want to throw up every single time you eat? And, and then someone says desserts coming and you have a second dessert stomach. Yes. Yep. Yep. I'm there. I got that. That's, that's what <laughs> my brain eats. So I'm like constantly fighting that. I know this wasn't actually asked, but I get this question a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and answer it, which is how do you customize or figure out your macros if you're interested in tracking macros in MyFitnessPal? Sarah and I are not medical professionals, and I don't want to prescribe to someone what their macros should or should not be. Adjusting my macros has been something that I've been doing all year long in an effort to find a sweet spot between not having a gallbladder and then having thyroid disease, so I need carbohydrates, um, but I also you know, have a history of morbid obesity and blood sugar dysregulation, so I can't have too many carbohydrates, um, yada, 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 right? Like that, that is a very, very 
uh, careful equation. I have looked a lot into and done research for myself with sites like If It Fits Your Macro, where they have calculators uh, based on your activity levels, your goals, and things like that. And it'll tell you recommended calories and recommended macro percentages based on, you know, what their estimated recommendations are. So I take that into consideration when establishing my goals in my fitness pal. I just want to be clear because a lot of people have asked me, like, do I stick with the goals that my fitness pal gives you when you sign up, which are really, in my opinion, a much higher carb than my body would do well with and really low calorie, like too low calorie. So um, I look into what you know, my body mass is, what um, my goals are, what my activity levels are, um, that kind of thing, and do the custom calculators on different sites. And then I input that as the custom goal in my fitness pal, which is you don't have to pay for the app um, to be able to customize your um, macro goals. You can also customize your micronutrient goals, which I think would be really helpful for a lot of people who um, maybe have some health problems and you're looking to get the right micronutrients into your diet. I would say the thing that I've noticed in my fitness pal particular is that a lot of people put foods in and they just put the main like fats, proteins, and carbs, and they don't put in the micronutrients. So I find that my micronutrients are always short because half the foods that I'm putting in have zero vitamins or minerals. And we all know that like vegetables don't have zero vitamins. One of the reasons why I like chronometer so much is because it tracks micronutrients. And that to me is far more important than macros. So I don't track my macros at all. I only track my micronutrients. So my macros will vary day to day, but, um, I'm trying to hit that target and I'll hit the point where I'm like, okay, so I don't have enough, um, zinc, and I was short on zinc yesterday, I guess, you know, oysters would be a really great idea right now. Um, And so I can kind of um, let that information guide my next food choice, which I think is pretty cool. All right. I think we've definitely covered that as many angles as we possibly can. (laughs) All right. How about this one? Advice on uh, preparing a successful paleo food week with a crazy schedule. I'm assuming she does not have a mat. That's... Oh, yeah. Most most people don't have a mat. (laughs) Um, Unless, are you looking to rent him out? Is that what you're saying? No, he is not available. Don't even think about it. (laughs) Um, So here's the thing. I think people need to figure out what works for them. Some people do really well with like a weekly cookup where they prepare a lot of foods. I know, Sarah, you do this, right? Where you spend a couple of extra hours cooking on the weekend so that you have... What I tend to do. It's a little bit different. I don't do like a batch cook after, you know, the weekends, but sort of every four or five days I will cook a dinner. That's like a huge dinner, right? I'll cook two whole chickens or like a big leg of lamb or a it's big so, pork it's roast. So, it's so cute that that's more than one meal for your okay, So I have, I have girls. <laughs> so that's a thing. And the chickens I buy are really quite large, but I'll do like, a, you know, several meals worth of meat and I'll do four or five different vegetables and then I'll throw in something else. So, um, you know, so, something will be right. It just it get roasts for an hour. I don't have to think about it or just steams for 10 minutes. I don't have to think about it. And then I'll throw in, OK, I'll make a batch of waffles. So I have waffles for during the week or I'll make a batch of muffins or, you know, I'll throw in like one more thing and then um 
And then what I do is I have, you know, we tend to eat, like I cook a big meal and then we eat leftovers for a couple of nights. And then I cook a big meal and we have leftovers for a few nights and maybe I make a new vegetable, but we do, that's how we cook. Like I don't, I don't generally, I really dislike cooking when I know that that food is only going to feed us for one meal. Um, it, it really, it makes me feel like I'm not using my time wisely. So I'm a big, like double, triple, quadruple recipe, freeze some for an emergency meal in the freezer, um, use it for lunches. Like it's, I, I tend to just basically how much can I fit in my pot? I'm going to make that much right now. Um, and it's a little bit different than, than I'm going to cook all my meals for the week and we're going to reheat meals all week. It's, it's, um, but it is very much like, okay, when am I going to have time? Like I'm going to be cooking for an hour and a half here. What can I fit in, in the spaces? Um, and so it'll often be like one extra thing, like muffins or waffles or, Muffles or muffins or waffles. It's, it's usually waffles. What can I say? Yes, yeah, so you can take that approach. Or um, there is like the Melissa Jewel one official weekly cook up approach where she literally pre cooks, you know, proteins and vegetables. And then later she kind of reheats them with different sauces or spices in different combinations, which can also work. Um, People do a lot of like cooking of entire meals. Uh, there's once a month meals and different kinds of programs like that where you can just literally cook up everything um, in one weekend and then have it for the month. You can either even pre-portion it out um, for the week, for the month, that kind of thing. Or there's the approach that I know Nom Nom uses and that we use, which is that we kind of have a nominal understanding of what all of our family likes and kind of our go-to easy weeknight meals. Like for us, it's meatloaf and roast chicken. Um, and then we uh, always have meat in our freezer because we buy in bulk, usually from a farmer or someplace like that. So um, we have been doing a weekly meal plan, which has been really helpful to reduce, you know, excess buying of um, especially produce that was going bad for us like we would just be like oh this looks good and this looks good and this sounds good and this looks good and then we'd have two or three things at the end of each week that would have gone bad because we just never got around to preparing it in time before it went bad so that meal plan has been helpful but um we literally prepare those foods every day. We just plan for them and then we shop for them according to that kind of schedule. So, I mean, there are a lot of different ways to approach it. And, um, oh, there's also the, you know, put it in a crock pot before you go to work and it's magically there for you when you come back. There's also the canned fish and rotisserie, naked rotisserie chicken from the deli approach. And the bagged, the bag salad where you just make your own dressing approach and put the rotisserie chicken and canned tuna on top of it. Like they're, there are so, so many options. Um, I know that it's easy to fall back on what you know. I will also say that there is no shame, and our family does this um, quite often, and we don't, I don't feel badly about it. We find places that we can eat out, and so when we are having a crazy scheduler, especially on the weekends, we actually plan in eating out on the weekends. So, you know, Chipotle works really well. Elevation Burger around us works really well. Uh, Sarah's a big fan of Peruvian chicken when she visits. Mm -hmm. There, there are places that 
you know, it's just thinking about their Yucca fries. <laughs> there are places that, you know, they're not, they're not perfect. Nothing, nothing is perfect. Um, even homemade, if it's not grass fed organic, you know what I mean? Like we just kind of know that we call that part of our 20% and we don't worry about, you know, if it's like a crazy night where Cole has rustling and Finn has a play date and you know, whatever, whatever, like that stuff just happens. Um, but I do find if we plan that in, if we know that you know, on Wednesday night, we've got multiple things happening. Let's just go ahead and have a quick salad or, you know, let's make that our Peruvian chicken night. Then it's, it's much, it feels much less stressful. Okay. That was a bajillion ideas. For sure. She's probably more confused than before she got the answer. Well, I mean, I guess it's, there's so many different ways to tackle that problem that I think what we did is we we brainstormed. We, we created one of those crazy maps on a, on a page with all the different ideas and links in between them. And then we said, okay, take that, figure out what's going to work for you, and now go. Um, and maybe it's a combination, right? So maybe it's a do a cook-up on the weekend and then do canned fish and bagged salads for lunches and – have, you know, maybe it's use a meal delivery service like Paleo on the go. Like there's a lot of different options. So, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a combination, maybe it's a crock pot meal on Fridays. Um, so hopefully, but hopefully for people who are sort of faced with that situation, there's enough ideas there that they can figure out something that's going to work really well in their lives. All right. This one I like. I want to try CrossFit this year, but I am terrified. There are so many CrossFit gyms near me. How do you pick your gym and how do you get past the fear of not being fit enough to go to one? I wrote a post on this called, uh, I think it's like, Fat Girl Starts CrossFit. Um, and then I had a follow-up post, like top 10 things to expect after you start CrossFit. We'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. Um the biggest point that I'll make, and I know Sarah, you'll have um, more to say because you're still actively CrossFitting, but the biggest thing for me is definitely ask about their on-ramp program. Um, I would highly recommend that if you're going to a gym that is asking you to perform movements and does not have some sort of intro training to teach you the basic movements and some sort of one-on-one training that um, you might have some concern later on in terms of, you know, the coaching that you'll get in the amount of, um, skill and, um, knowledge about the movements that they're asking you to do. And when form is compromised, uh, that can be a huge risk. So, um, I also just kind of look around and say like, do these people intimidate me and freak me out or do, you know, they look cool and do I want to talk to them? I mean, that's a huge thing for me. So when you walk into a gym, like you should feel welcome in that gym. And that is like the number one. I mean, to me, I'm like, that's number one. You walk into the gym and, and someone greets you with a smile and wants to give you a tour and talk about the gym with you and doesn't look like you at you, like you don't belong. If a gym looks at you like you don't belong, then find another gym. Um, for me, what was really important was I wanted to make sure that the coaches were um, really fanatical about good form. And so I asked all these like leading questions when I was first meeting with them about, um, you know, form and like the 
one of the uh, concepts behind CrossFit is every movement is a full range of motion movement. So why is that? Well, what about bad knees? Well, what, you know, what does that mean for someone with a, with a shoulder issue or bad back? Well, um, what if you don't have the range of motion for that? Um, what happens if form's not good because you're moving fast? And I was really looking for the answers that I got, which is the reason why I chose the, my particular CrossFit box, is if you're not doing good form, we're going to make you stop. Like that was that was the answer I wanted. If your form's not good, you're not allowed to keep going. We drop the weight until you can do it with perfect form. And that was a really, really key component for me because any type – of exercise you do, if your form's bad, that's when injury happens. And um, there is a very, very small percentage and getting much smaller percentage of CrossFit gyms where they're not going to correct your form. And these are the gyms where injuries happen. These are also the gyms that are going out of business typically. Um, and what generally I think the feeling among um, sort of CrossFit management is that the quality of gyms has overall increased pretty dramatically in the year because as the number of them have increased, um, you know, there's so many options now for people that the gyms that aren't, you know, aren't doing a good job coaching are not, they're not hanging around. Um, now some gyms do cater to really elite athletes and like, I wouldn't belong in a gym like that. Um, and I'd feel really intimidated and I've heard stories about other gyms in my area that are like that. And that's not where I want to be. So like the next thing is, you know, do you walk in and someone says, Hey, how's it going? Can I help you? Um, and I, I feel like the, the trick with an on-ramp is an on-ramp is going to give your body, um, a taste of what the classes are like. You're going to get to learn the form of the movements. You're going to get to try some sort of mini versions of the actual workouts. Um, and I think you just, you just do it and then make sure you take enough rest days. So if you're really, really sore afterwards, don't go back until, you know, you can sit on a toilet without falling down the last eight inches. Um, or for example, um, one of the first classes that I did, I could not straighten my arms all the way for two days because my biceps were so shot. Uh, so I didn't go back until I could straighten my arms all the way. Um, so making sure that you're sleeping, that you're getting adequate protein and good nutrition in your diet. And then, um, you know, listening to, listening to your body and making sure that you're not pushing it too hard. It's easy to get really sucked into the enthusiasm in a CrossFit class. Um, and it's, for me, it's very easy to get sucked into working too hard. Um, so I have to be really mindful that, you know, no, my body is telling me that today needs to be a slow plod today. And I need to, I need to do that. Um, fortunately for me, or for at least for my brain, um, those days are much less frequent than they were when I first started a year and a half ago. Um, but I think it's really important, like form is first. So if you don't have a coach who's going to make you drop weight or give you some tips on form or make sure that you're doing right form, especially as weights get heavier, um, then that's not a good place to be. I also would say that if you started a gym and you no longer feel comfortable there, it's okay to leave. Like yeah. that's, that's something that I talk a lot about on strong women radio that, you know, people start to, women in particular start to feel uncomfortable. Either you get hit on or you feel intimidated or you don't feel confident, you know, talk to your coaches or, you know, try to work it out. But 
I left a gym that I had what I thought was a really great relationship because I no longer felt comfortable there for one reason or another. And um, when you're a paying customer, remember that you are a paying customer. And when you're spending a lot of time somewhere that the goal is to make you feel good and get healthy, that if it adds stress to your life, that's not actually contributing to your, your health or well-being. So just take that into consideration for those of you that, you know, are already someplace or, you know, perhaps it's not the best fit for you. Um, for most people, there are other options. And for me, that ended up being um, a home gym where my husband and I and my kids could work out a lot together. And then I went to strongman training um, on Sundays. I haven't been able to do that lately, but that was a good, um, a good rhythm for me. So, all right. All right. This will be a fun question. We've already alluded to our opinion on this question. Jeez, I thought we were going to skip this question. This will be no. I think we need to such like, a soapbox. It's going to be a forty-five second answer, though. Okay. Okay. What are your thoughts on nutrition challenges for January? I think that they're ridiculous, and I think that it's an abomination to our community that we encourage people to partake in behaviors that um, lead them into the bad habits that probably brought them to paleo. That said, not everybody is me. Some people, it works really well for them. A lot of people have come to the paleo community because of paleo challenges. Um, And for that, we are all incredibly grateful. I love seeing people get healthy and feel good. However, uh, for those of us who are already in the community and participating in paleo, this idea that everyone resets, and I'm using quotation marks in January, um, through a challenge is something that I would love to see less of. I think my biggest problem with the paleo challenges is I don't feel that any of them are like properly designed. Like they're designed with this set of things that you don't do. Um, None of them are particularly nutrient focused. A lot of them have a really strong low carb bias, which I don't think is healthy for, for most people. Um, And, you know, if I could see a challenge that you know, included more nutrient dense foods and a lot of vegetable consumption and allowed, you know, fruit and starchy vegetables and, um, was a little bit more, uh, real, you know, like real life rather than, Hey, I'm going to make you suffer for a month, but boy, are you ever going to feel great when you reintroduce gluten and see how sick it's going to make you in 30 days. I mean, that's how they're mostly designed right now. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make you give up, you know, every single sweet possible flavor for a month. And then you'll see how amazing fruit tastes at the end, right? It's, to me, it's, um, they're centered around deprivation. And that is not a sustainable way to approach a lifestyle. Um, And so if I could see a challenge that was nutrient focused, and balance focused, then I'd be much more excited about it. Um, as it is, I think it's far better to figure out what your particular, um, habit centered, um, resolutions need to be and focus on a small part of it. For example, eating liver once a week. I feel like this bleeds into a lot about the soapbox that I had last week about, um, kind of missing the point with paleo and paleo treats taking over. And, you know, I think it's interesting that a lot of the people in the community who are pushing treats all through 
October, November, and December are the same people who are, you know, encouraging people to sign up for challenges with them in January. And that I just want to point out that that's the cycle that happens. And I'm not in any way judging because a lot of those people are my personal friends. And I don't mean this as an attack, but for those of us who come from a place of yo-yo dieting and having health concerns, that is not the best way to sustain a healthy lifestyle. And for me, that created a continuation of disordered eating. And for a lot of people, orthorexia contribute kicks in um, with these eating challenges. There's just something I've blogged about previously as well. So I just think it's important for people to, like I said earlier, be aware and to be thoughtful about how they approach this lifestyle. And I think, you know, having goals and self-respect and self-awareness and self-love through this time, love yourself enough to respect yourself and have that be about making the best choices possible and not missing the point of paleo, like focus on nutrient-dense foods, focus on anti-inflammatory foods that make you feel your best. Sleep, get exercise, stand, walk, you know, do do the things that we know contribute to health and wellness as often as possible. And that is the kind of tenets of our lifestyle. And I think if we all just do that, we'll all be better off without needing to have rules associated with it. All right. So what kitchen tools do you ladies find most helpful for a paleo newbie? My family eats out a lot and cooking at home will be a new challenge for me. Help. I think, uh, good knife to help you chop vegetables. I was going to say knife. <laughs> Darn. Um, a food processor. Ours has a attachment that helps us shred vegetables and collie rice and things like that um, really quickly. It, it's kind of an investment. It's about $100, I think, for a, for a good one. But that is the most often used appliance in our kitchen. Um, and then the third one that I would recommend would be an instant pot, which, um, Sarah, I actually learned about from visiting your home cause you cooked me food in your instant pot. And I was like, Oh, it's not just like this nebulous myth on the internet. You do use it and it is amazing. And then as soon as we got one, it's a pressure cooker, um, slow cooker and five other appliances built into one. Matt was like, this thing is amazing. Why haven't we been using it? Um, you can cook things from frozen, like big hunks of meat that are frozen and put it in the instant pot and it's ready um, in like, you know, two hours instead of, you know, needing to thaw it all day and then cook for four to six hours. So those I think are really time savers in the kitchen. So, uh, I agree with those. Um, the things that I use the most in my kitchen is like a proper chef's knife, um, a roasting pan, rimmed baking sheets, and a good frying pan. Like for me, um, and a vegetable steamer, right? Those are the things, right? For me, it's like roasted meats or broiled meats um, and roasted vegetables or steamed vegetables. And then there's like, sometimes you want to saute some stuff. Um, Something like a mandolin slicer or a food processor can definitely make slicing go faster. Uh, Mandolin slicers use the guard always use the guard or buy the chain, <laughs> the chain mail, mail mitts if you don't like using the guard. Um, but those things take off fingers. Um, 
And, um, but yeah, to me, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the simplest stuff. So like everything else, you know, is, is the fun extra stuff. Um, I also think a garlic press is a really great thing. And a microplane zester is a really great thing. Um, and you know, with, with those things, I, I feel like most of the basic, really tasty, but you know, just meat and vegetable type dishes, you can prepare with those things. Um, and, um, and then the Instapot is great for like, oh man, I forgot to take this out of the freezer this morning. Now I want to eat. Um, and there's things you can do from frozen in like half an hour. Like it's, yeah. Pressure cookers are wonderful. And the great thing about the Instapot is it has all the different safety features. It's pretty, I'm not going to say completely foolproof because I'm sure somebody out there has a story. Um, but I have not done anything, um, that is the S word with the Instapot yet. And I am the queen of burns and cuts. So queen, queen, third degree, third degree burn from uh, bacon grease two years ago um, is, is, you know, my crowning, crowning achievement. But, um, but yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big, like just simple, the simple manual stuff. And like, if it's something that's going to take me a lot of, hands-on time, then I just don't make it. Yeah, I would agree with those things. For cookware, we use um, our Dutch oven a lot. We do a lot of roasting mm-hmm. in the oven, and you can and our large cast iron skillet. And Lodge is a brand that is, you know, if you're on a budget, as most people are. Really inexpensive. Really inexpensive, but high quality. We've had our Lodge skillet for years, and we... It's well-seasoned, and we love it. So I actually we'll have links. a post on my site, too, about the best way to season cast iron, which is probably a good thing to add a link to in the show notes. Cool. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to all of those particular items if you want to see the specifics of what we're talking about or recommending. But those are pretty much, I would say, most paleo people would tell you that those are the basics that they're using um, on a regular basis. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of fancy things that we have, like high-tech blenders and ice cream makers, and I love my whipped cream canister. None of those are needed. Not none of them. Like you can, you can be paleo and not have all these fancy tools, and it's totally fine. You will survive. I promise. You'll you will thrive, not just survive. So, okay. All right. We're running out of time, so let's pick up the pace. I want to give paleo a try this year, but I always have my protein shakes post workout. It's a habit I enjoy, and it makes me feel good. Are there any good paleo protein shakes I can buy? I I know we've talked about this topic in general, so I'm not going to say whether or not this is the best idea. But since you say that you enjoy it and it makes you feel good and you want a particular brand, M&H Naturals makes a beef brand in both a chocolate and a vanilla flavor. Um, it's sweetened with stevia, which is, I think, the only thing in there that might be nebulously on the fringe of not paleo. Um, and it tastes really delicious. I highly recommend it. I also add collagen to my protein shakes. It is not a complete protein. So if someone tells you that you can just make paleo protein shakes with collagen, that is not correct. But you can add collagen and BCAA powder just by itself or with glucosamine, but no of the additional sucrose red dye, blah, 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 blah. I get that at, um, 
or Matt gets that at GNC, <laughs> um, the M&H naturals you have to buy online. So we'll give you links to all those things so you can make sure that you get the right brand. But those are the things that um, I work out when I have long workouts or post-workouts or I'm in a contest, that kind of stuff. All right. Last question. How do you stay excited about paleo? This is a really good question. And the first thing that came to my mind was like my children running around being active and happy, which is an interesting kind of like, you know, when someone asks you a question and your brain kind of shoots you an image, that's the thing. And so for me, we stay excited about paleo because it has brought us together as a family. We're healthier and happier for it. And what's really great is that, you know, we are exposed to so much of the community in terms of other bloggers and cookbook writers that are constantly coming up with innovative and new approaches to things and fantastic recipes to try and um, people to hang out with that it's hard, you know, not to be excited and not to, to want to participate in a community where people are genuinely interested in helping other people be well. Yeah, I think it's funny. I don't think about it in very often. Like I don't, it's, it's just how I eat now. It's just how I live now. And then when I do think about it, it's because something really wonderful is happening that I couldn't have had before. So I'm lifting something really heavy at CrossFit or I'm looking in the mirror and I'm seeing just how beautiful my skin is, or I'm doing some kind of crazy running around the yard, play with my kids. Like it's some like, you know, wow, I didn't used to be able to do this, right? It's kind of that moment. And then I feel that excitement about paleo again. Um, You know, I just, I generally, I enjoy experimenting with cooking different flavors and different foods, but uh, that was something that I enjoyed pre-paleo. So it's really not, to me, it's just a different, a different group of ingredients I'm working with, but it, you know, it's not, exciting or non-exciting to me. It's, it's just, uh, I, it's a, you know, fun little hobby of mine to come up with new cool things. Um, so I, I find it's, um, you know, the excitement comes from the realization that I'm healthy in a way that I've never been able to maintain before in my life. Um, but it's, it's not something that's, you know, in the front of my mind most of the time. Most of the time, uh, this is just what I do. And I just, you know, I enjoy the food I eat. I enjoy um, working out. I enjoy the work that I'm doing. And the excitement is sort of, it's not there, but it's not not there. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow. I just almost did a toast to bar. Okay, it's like two feet away, two feet away from the bar. But still, (laughs) still, that's the closest I've come to the bar. And it's still a moment because I was hanging from that bar and I almost, okay, my, but my feet were pretty high. It still felt good. It felt like an achievement. And, um, and those are the things I'm like, you know, that was not, I couldn't have done monkey bars, but I don't actually know if I can do monkey bars. Let me not use that as an example. (laughs) I don't actually know if that's a thing I can do, but I can hang two hands from a bar for quite a long time. Presumably that will eventually translate to being able to do monkey bars. And it still feels like an accomplishment. I feel like, woohoo, go me. Um, And so those are, it's those things that make me feel like truly excited about how far I've come on my health journey. Truth to all that. So long show, 
But because this is like the New Year's edition this year, I did want to take a moment to share with our listeners about a brand, brand new ebook that I have created that will be out by the time this show airs. Um, it's called Go to Bed. I'll give you one guess about what it's about. Ah. Uh... Is it about exercise? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be so, so <laughs> ironic. Uh, it's about sleep. So it's actually not really a paleo book, although nutrition to support sleep is discussed in it. Um, but it's really um, tackling this, I think, very fundamental aspect of not just the paleo lifestyle, but any healthy lifestyle, which is sleep. Um, in fact, when you go through the scientific research, you can make far stronger connections between inadequate sleep and health um, problems than you can with any kind of diet factor and health problems. And um, I really feel like um, sleep is one of the things that we, even within the paleo community, tend to let fall to the side in terms of our priorities. Um, but it's actually absolutely fundamental to our health and even having a small sleep deficit can have a really big negative impact on our bodies and our and our brains um, and our immune systems and our hormones um, so this has been something that I've been working on for a year and a half um, and I finally launched it it's called uh, go to bed 14 easy steps to healthier sleep it's a complete program um, it's actually pretty epic it's 200 and, it's a 222 page ebook um, it's really, I think the most comprehensive, um, comprehensive explanations or a collection of, of explanations between the links between, um, sleep and every aspect of health and well-being that's been ever created. It, um, it includes every scientifically validated tip and trick for improving sleep quality. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's enormous. Um, in fact, it was, it, um, may eventually be a print book, but now it's an ebook and it's, we can make sure the links in the show notes, but you can also just go to www.thepaleomom slash go to bed, um, and read lots more about it. And it's launching for January only with a 30% off coupon. Uh, so the coupon code is all caps. I need sleep. Um, and then it's never going to have a coupon code again. That's it's, it's just special for launch. Um, and so then February 1st, it'll go back up to $20. So right now 30% off, it's $14. We thought $14, 14 steps. I, I did that math. I was pretty proud. Um, so I hope you guys all check it out. I really feel like sleep as a New Year's resolution is probably one of the best focuses that we can have because when we get enough sleep, everything else is easier. Exercise is easier. Stress management strategies are more effective. Um, keeping with any kind of food-related um, habit-forming goals, it becomes a lot easier, right? Because we don't have cravings. Our hunger hormones tend to naturally regulate themselves better. Our insulin and leptin sensitivity is better when we get enough sleep. So I really feel like sleep is um, the linchpin of health. So when sleep is together, everything else tends to be easier and, and comes together really, really easily. Um, and I think especially within the paleo the paleo framework, um, sleep is is profoundly a profoundly important aspect of the paleo lifestyle. So again, it's called Go to Bed. And um, it, as of the airing of this show, it is available. So I hope people will check that out. Nice. Well, congratulations on finishing that additional tome to your <laughs> library. Uh, it's 
ridiculous. It's it's long. It's 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 a lot. It's it's really big. I don't think anyone's surprised that you ha- having an unlimited page count resulted in an epic. <laughs> Yes, I did not have a printer or a publisher saying we can't print that, Sarah. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, I hope everyone has a wonderful New Year's and that your uh, 2016 is even more fantastic than your 2015, if that's possible. And we wish you the very, very best. Thank you for tuning in to the Paleo View, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. I'm sorry for the awkward zones. I had a meowing cat. <laughs> I was like, so Stacy either has nothing to add to that statement. And she it was just, like, like hanging me out to dry there. It was like right as you we were wrapping up, it was like, like <laughs> already then we're at a cup point. <laughs> so you know what's hysterically funny to me about that is that you stayed muted so that we couldn't hear the cat. But then I then made you totally noise. <laughs> made the cat noise yourself. So we all know what the cat sounded like. It's true. It's kind of well, I muted because I didn't want it to interrupt you, darling. Aww. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, Is that a New Year's resolution of yours? No. We're going to talk to them next week. They're not going to really talk back. <laughs> well, you, you had it down for a while. Ah, thanks for listening. I just need to say thanks for listening. And then I, I just keep talking because I'm having a conversation with you. And then my brain extends it to a conversation with all the people who listen. And this is why when people like say, oh, I listen to your show and it feels like I'm having a, a conversation with, you know, my girlfriends. I'm like, well, kind of we are because I treat it the same way. But we're not at all. Yeah. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.